Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Tangled Angle. I'm Janice Christensen, and here we address the tangled angles of conservative American values given to us by the Constitution while using facts and keeping it classy. I am a news junkie with a passion and interest in government politics and American history, and I spent 16 years in the halls of the Washington State Legislature supporting my husband, Dan Christensen, who was elected to the House of Representatives from 2003 to 2018. Now with this podcast, I'm able to share and discuss what I've learned and experienced, along with some historical context of where we are on the timeline of history. I've been podcasting now for a couple months, and I am having so much fun with this. I have two downloads in Europe, two downloads from people in Asia, and the rest in North America. I have listeners in nine states and, of course, here in Washington State, my beloved home. So today I'd like to jump into this podcast about the 56 signers of the Declaration of Independence and who they were, what they did, and the price they paid for us to have what we call the United States of America. In my earlier podcast, The Strategy of Fatigue, I go through the events leading up to 1776 and what brought these 56 men to sign the Declaration of Independence, their struggle they had with Great Britain, and all the punitive actions that the king of Great Britain at that time was casting upon the colonists. They wanted their independence, they wanted it badly, and these 56 men signed the Declaration of Independence, and in essence, this was signing their death warrant. The Declaration of Independence was drafted by a committee made up of John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, Roger Sherman, and Robert Livingston. Jefferson is credited with writing the words. However, he didn't really admit this till much later. It was edited by the others and then edited again by the whole Congress. And then 56 members of Congress, the 56 signers, were all members of Congress. They all signed it. And it was explaining why the 13 colonies that were at war with Great Britain regarded themselves as 13 independent sovereign states. They did no longer want to be under British rule. And with the declaration, these new states took a leap toward forming the United States of America. So who were these men? What kind of men were they? 25 of them were lawyers or jurists. 11 were merchants. Nine were farmers or large plantation owners. One was a teacher, one a musician, and one a printer. These were men of means and of education, yet they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well the penalty could be death if they were captured. And some of them were captured. Five signers were captured by the British and brutally tortured as traitors. Nine fought in the war for independence and died from wounds or from hardships they suffered. Two lost their own sons in the Continental Army, and another two had sons that were captured by the British. At least a dozen of these men had their homes pillaged and burned. So as they were fighting after they signed the Declaration of Independence, the Continental Army was fighting the British And the Continental Congress then fled from Philadelphia to Baltimore on December 12, 1776. And John Hancock, who signed his name very large at the bottom of the Declaration of Independence because he wanted to make sure that the King of Great Britain could read his name, because evidently at that time the king needed reading glasses, 
and John Hancock made a comment that I want to make sure he can read my name without the reading glasses. So anyway, John Hancock, who was the president then of the Continental Congress, his wife had just given birth to a baby girl, and due to the complications of stemming from the trip to Baltimore, the child lived only a few months. So John Hancock lost his daughter after they had to travel and flee to Baltimore. William Ellery is another signer, and during December 1776, so shortly after that, they had signed this document, the British occupation of Newport, Rhode Island, where Ellery lived, his house was burned and all of his property was destroyed. Richard Stockton is another man. He was a New Jersey State Supreme Court justice. He had rushed back to his estate near Princeton after signing this, this declaration and that he found his wife and children were living like refugees with friends. His family had been betrayed by Tory sympathizers, and they revealed where Stockton's home and family was. One night, the British troops pulled him from his bed, beat him, and threw him in jail where he almost starved to death. When he was finally released, he went home to find that his estate had been looted, his possessions burned, and his horses were stolen. Judge Stockton had been so badly treated in prison that his health was ruined and he died before the end of the war. Francis Lewis was another signer and he had his home and properties destroyed. The British put his wife in jail for two months and due to this and other hardships, it affected her health so badly that she died two years later. John Hart, a New Jersey farmer, was driven from his wife's bedside when she was near death. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His grist mill and fields were laid waste. For over a year, he escaped capture by hiding in the forests, and he never knew where his bed would be the next night and often slept in caves. When he finally returned home, he found that his wife had died, his children disappeared, and his farm and stock were completely destroyed. John Hart died in 1779 without ever seeing any of his family again. This was typical for those who signed the Declaration of Independence. They fled for their lives. Their farms and homes were burned. They got separated from their families. This is when communication was difficult. And the trip from some of these colonies to Philadelphia was a horseback ride that took months. These men were not wild-eyed ruffians. These men were not rabble-rousers. They were men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty far more. So what did these men say that got them into such trouble with the British? What did they stand for? What did they want that caused them to have their homes burned and looted, lose everything, lose their fortunes, get separated from their families? Some never saw their families again. What did they say that was so provocative to get such a response from Great Britain. They said, the unanimous declaration of the 13 United States of America. When in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and of nature's God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. This is how the Declaration of Independence starts. 
They're laying out a case of what is causing them to separate. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes. And accordingly, all experience has shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. This is saying that people will endure a lot of suffering rather than make the effort and pay the price to abolish a current form of government to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for their future security. Such has been the patient and sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present King of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. And now they're going to begin to list what the King of Great Britain was doing to them. He has refused to assent to laws the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance, unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature, a right inestimable to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. This practice to call together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and distant from the depository of their public records is the classic strategy of fatigue that I discussed in one of my earlier podcasts, where to wear them out, he would, the King of Great Britain would call legislatures at places unusual. It wasn't according to the calendar. It wasn't according to the clock. It was all according to his own wishes, which kept them consistently and constantly off balance. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on the rights of the people. He has refused for a long time after such dissolutions to cause others to be elected. He has made judges independent on his will alone 
for the tenure of their offices and the amount of payment of their salaries. So he's hiring judges and making them rule according to what he wants and determining the amount that they will be paid. He has erected a multitude of new offices, think bureaucracies, and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. So all these bureaucrats and agency people were harassing the people and eating them out of house and home, show up at their doorstep, steal their food. He has kept among us in times of peace standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. So he put the military among them, among the colonists, without their consent. He has combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their acts of pretended legislation for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on the inhabitants of these states. So the bodies of troops were among the people and killing them, and he protected those who murdered the colonists by mock trials. He cut off trade with parts of the world. He imposed taxes on them without their consent. He deprived them, in many cases, of the benefits of trial by a jury of their peers. He transported them beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses. He took away their charters, abolished their most valuable laws, and altered fundamentally the forms of their government. He abdicated the government amongst the colonists by declaring them out of his protection and waging war against them. So you have to understand that at the time, all the colonists were British citizens, really. So they separated themselves through this document from the British government and became their own country. So they're complaining that the King of Great Britain wasn't protecting them as British citizens, but yet punishing them as foreigners. He gave himself the power to legislate for the colonists in all cases whatsoever. And he basically abdicated the government in the colonies by declaring us out of the protection of Great Britain and waged war against them. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the works of death, desolation, and tyranny, already begun with circumstances of cruelty, and he is totally unworthy of the head of a civilized nation. He's constrained the fellow citizens taken captive on the high seas to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their friends and brethren, and to fall themselves by their hands. And they end by saying, in every stage of all these abuses... We have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury. A prince whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be the ruler of a free people. So they end by saying, We therefore, the representatives of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world, meaning God above, for the rectitude of our intentions do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right ought to be free and independent states, that these colonies are absolved from all allegiance to the British crown, 
and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved. And as free and independent states, they have the full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with the firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. So this is what the 56 signers said to the King of Great Britain that got them into so much trouble. They lost their fortunes, their homes. Many were separated from their families. Also, we could have the United States of America. Is it not worth your time, attention, and devotion to commit yourself to make your voice be heard, to not be silent, and to speak up for the freedoms and liberties that we have enjoyed all these years in the United States of America and that we are close to losing? Yes, it is worth it. Please do not be silent. If you want to contact your legislator, all that information will be in the show notes. I'd love to hear from you. Please give me some feedback and let me know what you think. You can find me on Facebook at Janice Christensen and on Instagram, Twitter, and Telegram at Janice Christ, J-A-N-I-S-K-R-I-S-T. Janice Christ. J-A-N-I-S-K-R-I-S-T.